Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the next episode of my Save Bet show. It's a great pleasure and privilege to welcome Indiana State Senator John Ford on the show. He represents District 38 of the great Hoosier State, having been first elected to the Indiana Senate back in 2014. Senator Ford, John, welcome to the show. Thank you, Martin. Thanks for having me and look forward to a great conversation. And I would suggest, of course, with your permission, that we delve right into it. And I've already mentioned that you're in the Indiana Senate. So let's, first of all, talk about that. You come from Tarot. Hopefully I'm not mispronouncing it. Tarot, Indiana, in the heart of the Wabush Valley. And prior to running for office, because especially these days, most politicians tend to have, and for very good reason, a life and career before running for office. You were the president of all state manufacturing, as well as of the Small Art Museum and the Indiana Leadership Forum. So as I've said, to kick things off, could you tell us a little bit more about your career pre-politics? Yeah, so I uh, was involved in manufacturing for uh, most of my early career, and um, we uh, I joined the family business, a, a food service manufacturing business, as you said, called Allstate Manufacturing. Um, and and really, you know, how I got into politics was through manufacturing and through uh, the arts community. Really, um, as an employer trying to attract creative people to help me grow my business. I really struggled here in rural Indiana to uh, to do that. So that led me to the arts and really, you know, to attract creative people, we needed a great culture. And, and that's what I've been working on for many years here in the Wabash Valley. Has that been an enormous change and cultural shift once you've taken the leap of faith and moved from running a business and employing a number of people to politics, though I suppose, of course, you continue working for those people, just in a different capacity. Yeah, it's it's different. It's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a slower pace than the business world. And you've got to convince, in my case, 150 other people that your idea is a good idea. So it's not always about what I think. It's, you know, it's about compromise, finding balance and um, you know, which is which is a good thing. And if we do legislation right, you know, we're we're helping lots of folks along the way. You hit the nail on the head by putting emphasis on the word compromise. I've only had the privilege and pleasure of having left this side of the pond for over a year, but uh, it's clear to me from, and we're filming this for the record on Veterans Day, the 11th of November, so right after the midterms. And at least I've got the impression that unfortunately the country's rather polarized, and not only as a result of the midterms, everybody will need to be looking for compromise to take us all forward. So w would you agree with that assessment? At the same time, I don't want to be putting any pressure on you to comment on the result of the midterms. That's not the gist of my question. It's genuinely about your approach to politics. Yeah, my approach is, is just what you said. It's all about finding balance and, and listening to everybody's ideas out there in finding the right, you know, balance for us to move forward. And, you know, I, 
I think a good piece of legislation, some say, makes nobody happy. So it's, uh, you know, kind of that finding that right balance is key. And certainly we could use more of that and in, in some civility in the political world today, for sure. Indeed, sadly, we can't please everyone, but as long as we please the majority, then I suppose we've done our respective jobs. Before we move on to your role with NICLGES, i.e. the National Conference of Legislators from the gaming states, of which you will be assuming presidency. One final question about Indiana, if I may. This is, of course, not a tourist show, but if you were to invite folks to come over, and especially rural Indiana, where you hail from, what would stand on that invite, and what is there to see? Yeah, I would bring out our natural resources. Uh, Terre Haute is a uh, Midwest river town. We have the Wabash River that um, serves as one of our main focal points in the community, and uh, I would just, uh, you know, promote our natural resources, but then also we're unique and we have four institutions of higher education. Um, and I always say that Terre Haute is a great place to live, work and study. We've talked about your career pre-politics and politics with a lot of focus on manufacturing. There are manufacturers out there that do produce gambling machines at the same time with the arrival and what appears to be unstoppable rise of online forms of gambling. What was it that really sparked your interest in gambling as a topic or an area you'd like to you'd like to get yourself involved with? Yeah, you know, I think as being a you know small business owner, I'm very entrepreneurial in my spirit. And um, in the General Assembly, when we we knew we were going to have to modernize gaming, um, you know, I approached leadership about taking that role on. And nobody um, at the time had been from Indiana had been attending Nickelgees. So I was assigned that task and really, uh, you know, love the environment, the uh, free and open discussion at Nickelgees and just how other legislators helped me from other states learn um, about gaming and what the future of gaming held. And, you know, so it was really that focus on, you know, updating gaming here in the state of indiana because at the time all of our casinos were on rivers um we had two racinos but we had not really modernized gaming in 27 years and we will most definitely come on to discussing both sports betting and well fingers crossed <laughs> online casino gambling in the state of indiana and beyond but sticking if i may to the theme of Nickelgees, and you've already started touching upon it. Now, Nickelgees as an organization, you've set out the key point, which is to bring legislators together. But what are the ultimate objectives? Because you guys get together, invite folks like me and many others, and we have great discussions. But what are the ultimate goals that I'm sure would be designed to help us all the industry, the legislators, and also the regulators, and everybody else who's involved in this space, to move the dial following the 2018 repeal of PASPA. So what is, what is it that, that org the organization is trying to achieve, both in the short, but even more importantly in the long run? Yeah, so, so Nickel G's, you know, is, is one of the only organizations of state lawmakers that meets on a regular basis to discuss gaming. 
Um, so our focus is really to try to bring, you know, all as many facets of gaming together into uh, an environment of learning um, and education from both from the industry and from fellow lawmakers and from regulators. So we try to bring everybody together um, to really have, you know, the open discussions about uh, the industry and best practices and, and how to move forward. So certainly when PASPA was repealed, uh, sports wagering for the past few years has been one of the main topics um, and really, you know, laying out, uh, you know, good frameworks. You know, so I learned from other states like New Jersey and Pennsylvania who passed it and we brought some of um their language into Indiana's language. And I think other states have looked at what we've done and have copied some aspects of ours. But it's really, I think, the main goal of Nickel G's is really, you know, to bring all facets of gaming together to to have great discussions about um, moving forward and what, what are the best practices, um, but also to help legislators learn. And that work is needless to say, critically important. And I can see two themes unfolding. On the one hand, why would anybody need to reinvent the wheel, especially these days with 30 plus states having regulated sports betting? But I take it that at the same time, of course, and we talked about them in the introductory section to this, to the, this episode of My Safe Bet Show, specific cultural idiosyncrasies need to be reflected because not everything arguably and of course feel free to disagree that would have worked in the likes of the garden state or pennsylvania would necessarily work in indiana yeah no i i agree completely i think that's what is you know i think great about what we have set up is states can pick pieces from other states and put it together to create one great piece of legislation and to your point, I mean, what some things that worked in New Jersey were not going to work here in Indiana. So we just didn't, you know, take that language and we created uh, some other language. But I think it's, you know, when you look at other states that are moving towards either sports wagering or iGaming, you know, Nebraska, Missouri, you know, Colorado come to mind. You know, they've all many legislators and their regulators have taken part in Nickel G's and I think seen some of the uh, successes of other states and then maybe some of the uh, failures or, or things that could be improved on. And I think they're going to have better legislation because of that. And will that be one of the themes of the upcoming Nickel G's winter meeting that will take place under your watch between the between December 8th and December 11th in Las Vegas? We talked about sports betting and we'll come back to the wider picture. But in terms of the agenda of the upcoming winter meeting, what are the highlights and how many legislators and regulators do you expand, expect rather to attend the meeting and engage in those discussions? Yeah, we've got a robust, robust agenda covering on a lot of topics. Um, you know, if I'll list a few. Um, you know, we're going to look at retail gaming, brick and mortar gaming, and um, how that may have how that is changing with the uh, with iGaming, online gaming, other forms of uh, uh, digital gaming, if you will, and how that has changed their environment. So we'll have a discussion on that. Um, I think a large discussion on the newly enacted federal horse racing regulations 
Uh, many states or every state is really having to grapple with this new federal law and how to implement it when it comes to horse racing. Um, cybersecurity is always a topic. Um, lottery, we're, we're fortunate enough, we have three of the top lottery directors in the country um, from Georgia, Indiana, and Iowa that are gonna hold a panel to talk about the future of, of lottery. And I think iLottery will also be part of that discussion. Um, something new that we started a few uh, years ago is uh, we have a panel on uh, diversity and inclusion. And this year, uh, Becky Harris from UNLV will be leading um, that panel to talk about women in the workforce uh, in the gaming industry. Um, we'll also be discussing uh, cashless casinos, illegal gaming, and obviously uh, we will have uh, kind of a legislative preview on iGaming for 2023. And I believe, Martin, you are going to be a part of that discussion. It will be my pleasure. Thanks for thanks for having me. I can't wait. Indeed, a very, very packed agenda. Perhaps the, the one theme that I would pick out is diversity. And uh, we've talked about you having taken the leap of faith and joined all the debates surrounding the gambling industry, having been around for a while. And what the industry is usually facing in terms of well, one of the few criticisms, arguably, is the fact that it's at least perceived as being an old man's club. I think it's fair to say that at most conferences and throughout the industry, the male element, for want of better expression, is still the predominant one. But, and I'm not trying to ask leading questions, so once again, totally feel free to, to disagree, but throughout the last at least few, if not five, five years, I've got the impression that uh, the setup of the industry, including senior roles, has been going through material change in terms of bringing more diversity, not just male, female, but other forms of diversity. So I'm sure Becky will tell us much more when we're all in Vegas, but what would be your take on this particular point? We're definitely seeing movement towards uh, more diversity from folks that are attending from well diverse backgrounds um, that have been coming to participate. But also I think what we're seeing is, you know, some of this diversity inclusion has been regulated, right? So, uh, you know, the industry in many states have, um, you know, obligations to diversify their workforce, uh, their procurement habits. So really, you know, it's really important, I think, that we have these discussions about diversity and inclusion, because not just at the top of the industry, but also how the who the industry is procuring their provisions from locally is also a very important aspect that I think Becky will touch on a little bit as well. She most certainly, she most certainly will. So once again, we'd like to invite everybody who will have listened to the podcast between now and then to attend if you can, or at least keep a very close eye on these discussions. Coming back to one of the critical themes that the US industry has been facing, namely sports betting. We've been touching on the repeal of passport and i believe it's fair to say that legalized sports betting because let's not fool ourselves that illegal forms of sports betting would not have pre-existed the repeal of pospa that was one of the goals of course sports betting has taken the u.s markets by a total storm so in your view senator ford 
What makes sports betting so popular that it's created such a hype throughout the U.S. nation? Americans love love their sports. I think it's um, you know, in any way to interact with those sports, I think people really enjoy. And I, I think one of the things that's I think helped uh, sports uh, wagering really grow rapidly is uh, when we went into the uh, COVID lockdowns, if you will, and and you know, really became, I think, a source of entertainment for many folks when we couldn't necessarily go to games or we couldn't, um, you know, participate in things like we used to pre-COVID. And so I, I think COVID has had a positive effect on, effect on sports wagering. But I think at the end of the day, it really comes back to the roots that we, you know, as Americans or Hoosiers in my case, just we love sports and, you know, any way to be involved with it, I think, as a form of entertainment, has really uh, brought out a lot of people to participate in sports wagering. I should just hope that the cults will get direct together so that you guys uh, don't have to be going through all those hard breaks. But that could be a topic for another podcast because I'm sure we could be talking about football for hours and hours. The markets in Indiana happen to have been one of the first to have jumped on the bandwagon of sports betting regulations. So these regulations, once again, largely throughout the nation, are in the process of maturing and arguably the states that have regulated would have brought operators in now they're in licenses are getting renewed but of course the maturing of the markets brings with itself a set of challenges that are much more granular and in-depth than just licensing processes. So in your view, what are the biggest challenges that both the industry and the legislators and regulators face in connection with sports betting? When my fellow legislators and, and the public see these large handles, um, I think they, and then they see the low tax rate, I think there's some assumption there that they're, you know, missing out on a lot of funds. So I think protecting the low tax structures that we've seen across the country in sports wagering is, is going to be a challenge, I think, as we move forward um, because of those high handle amounts. And as we all know, you know, sports wagering, you know, in the gaming industry is a low, lower margin product than, than other uh, games. Um, I also think, you know, the integrity. We, we always have to be concerned the integrity of sports. So the sports, not necessarily the major leagues like football and baseball, but we, the other sports that um, are coming online to be bet on, we need to make sure that they are, um, their integrity uh, rules and regulations in place to make sure that, uh, you know, the consumer is protected. And I, and I think that as we expand, I think we're going to continue to see the list of types of sports, um, to continue to be added to uh, to sports wagering. And if I make what I believe is a logical segue into online casino, or if you will, online gaming, including poker, and you've been, if not the, then one of the leading proponents of online gaming regulation in Indiana and throughout the Midwest. So perhaps the, the place to start is doing a bit of a compare and contrast. 30 plus states to have regulated sports betting, sports surfing on the wave of the hype. And as you put it, 
the infatuation of the American nation with sports, and yet again for good reason, then only seven states, with Nevada being a bit questionable and dubious in that regard, to, that have taken the plunge and regulated online casino. So why do you think the online casino or iGaming regulation has been such a slow burner? And if I may ask, because that's what everybody would love to hear about, what can we expect from the next year's legislative session in Indiana? Will our online gaming get regulated? I think, you know, part of it, I think, is a little fatigue. Um, you know, PASPA happened. We, you know, rushed into sports wagering, a lot of discussion in legislatures across the country. And I, I really think, you know, there, there's been a little fatigue. I think going into COVID, you know, some of our, the past legislative sessions recently haven't been full full on legislative sessions. You know, gaming, as you know, Martin, it's very detailed in the weeds kind of legislation. And um, it, it what does wear out on some, some legislators because there are some in every body that are uncomfortable with it. And, um, you know, we have to navigate that. But I do think, uh, you know, moving forward, I think you're going to see a number of states, you know, bring this up. I think Illinois, Indiana, New York, and Ohio, it'll, I think, all be on the table. I think here in Indiana, we're going to have a, a robust discussion, I think, on uh, iGaming and iLottery. Um, you know, and if I had to do it over again, I probably would have copied uh, what Michigan did and um, done iLottery or iGaming and um, uh, sports wagering at the same time. You know, I think that was a tactical mistake that we made here in Indiana. And I'd recommend other states that are thinking about sports wagering that haven't passed it yet to include iGaming I with it. Indeed, I would totally agree. It would appear rather bizarre, I suppose, for the reasons we've discussed this morning. It would appear rather bizarre to have separated sports betting and iGaming. But we are where we are. But it's, it's, it's good to hear that, uh, as usual, what I would call the cluster effect still seems to be working. Because I should hope that if you guys in Indiana get it over the line, then that will that will prompt the likes of Illinois into action. And of course, at the same time, everybody will be looking at our good friends, Senator Adabo and Assemblyman Pretlow in the state of New York, because they seem to be hell-bent on getting iGaming in their state across the line in the next year's legislative session. Moving on to a topic that comes hand in hand with any regulation. And uh, once again, you've been quite hot and big on that topic and that's clamping down on the still, sadly still existing black market. You made that point in quite a few interviews that I had an opportunity to, to read. So what, in your view, is the recipe to go about that? Regulate, I suppose, but then would we need to get the likes of the internet service and payments providers involved? And also, how can we educate customers about the differences between the legitimate license market, people who pay taxes in states like Indiana, and that other folk that just seems to be piggybacking of misinformation and trying to attract people to go down the route of unprotected and illegal gaming? 
we talk about, you know, iGaming. I mean, the reality is iGaming is, is, exists in every state here in the country um, currently, um, be it illegal. Um, so I, I do think, obviously, bringing it into a regulated market is the first step. Um, I do do think we need to, as a country, have more discussions with Internet service providers and payment providers to crack down on um, these illegal games. Because as we all know, it's, um, you know, without regulation, you know, problem gaming is much larger with people who are, um, uh, for lack of a better term, in the dark. Um, and, you know, bringing that, you know, bringing it into the light to allow regulation and regulators to monitor things, implement our responsible gaming procedures. I mean, I think that's also a big part of this is we've got to do a better job, I think, educating um, our communities on illegal forms of gaming that are out there. And I think that's a role that, you know, responsible gaming policies can can play is really educating not only the industry workers and, and gamers themselves, but also the communities that they live in, that this does, you know, there is illegal gaming out there on the Internet. People can access it from their phones and really bringing, you know, talking, having more discussions about it in our local communities, I think would be a positive. Uh, way to combat it as well as many others. Um, and at the Nickel G's meeting, we are going to have a big meeting uh, on illegal gaming where we're going to be bringing, you know, some of the industry um, folks that are working on this. And many of them are former law enforcement from U.S. attorneys to Secret Service agents. Um, so we're going to have a great panel on that that I'll be leading uh, Sunday morning of the uh, Nickel G's conference. Indeed, an absolutely critical topic and the industry's privilege to have folks like you that lead and help us lead the charge literally against the illegal black market operators. And as you've also pointed out, customers stand to benefit from it once we've completed that job and managed to put ourselves in a position whereby there are no unlicensed operators throughout this country. Ultimately, this show is called Save Bad Show for a reason, and yet another key theme that is on the agenda of the upcoming winter meeting of Nickel G's is indeed responsible gambling. You've assembled a team of people that are in the throes of producing a responsible gambling regulation. So if I may ask yet again about the objectives and the rationale behind that resolution and also in your capacity and from your perspective of a legislator, one of the key legislators when it comes to gambling throughout the nation, what does a good and efficient responsible gambling program look like? Yeah, so at Nickel G's, we've spent the last few years, as you said, gathering the facts, getting key stakeholders to the table to really create a, a resolution that we hope will serve as, as a model uh, legislation across the country, kind of the, the top priorities of a great responsible gaming program. Um, you know, as we, we've done that, we're working with UNLV and Spectrum uh, Gaming to create this document. Um, we will be taking input at our winter meeting 
and hopefully voting on it as a body next uh, summer and then getting that out across the country. Um, you know, in terms of what, what I think responsible gaming uh, programs, I think one, you know, I think states need to clearly, clearly state that, you know, that states that have gaming, that they believe in responsible gaming and creating environments where people can play this form of entertainment and feel safe and have consumer protections. Um, but then also we, we need to fund it. We need to, we can't just say it. We need to back it up and provide funding for hotlines, education, research, um, and the like. And that education, you know, needs to be within the industry, uh, of the, of the, uh, grassroots workers, but also communities. We need to be out in communities, talk about responsible gaming, similar to what we do when we talk about safe drinking or safe consumption of alcohol. You know, we we talk about that in the public. We need to also do that, in my opinion, with responsible gaming. Amen to that. Indiana, as I'm sure folks will most definitely know, plays host to the NCAA headquarters and the Entain Foundation US lately announced a partnership with the NCAA, arguably the first online gambling operator Rather, it's charity arm to have partnered with the NCAA to educate college athletes and beyond the college communities. What teams nationwide do you believe will do well and what will be the fate of the surely closest to your heart Indiana-based teams? Well, here in, uh, you know, in Indiana, the uh, falls tend to be very long for us as we're not really a football state. Um, and so many of us... Uh, always look forward to the start of the basketball season. You know, basketball, uh, you know, is in, in the DNA of Hoosiers. And, and we love our basketball from, you know, high school all the way through to NBA teams. And I think, uh, you know, this year, I think we have got a few teams that are, are going to do well. I think the University of Indiana basketball team, I think will have a great season and hopefully will do well in the NCAA tournament. But Notre Dame and uh, Purdue also, I think, will have very, very competitive teams moving forward. Indeed, marquee names. Ladies and gentlemen, now is the time to give Senator John Ford final 60 seconds to convey convey his messages of choice, ideally about gambling, but feel free to talk about anything else. So, John, please, your 60 seconds before we wrap it all up. What is it you would like to tell the folks out there? I think, you know, really the, the message I'd like to convey is if uh, you're a legislator or a member of the industry out there, you know, please uh, come be a part of, of Nickel G's and a part of the gaming discussion uh, nationally because we are always seeking stakeholders input and uh, other views and always trying to uh, continue to move the industry forward in a safe and regulated uh, manner but also to have that uh, form of entertainment. I think uh, gaming has uh, has grown in terms of, uh, you know, in, here in Indiana from being in small river towns to being a great form of entertainment for uh, so many uh, folks in our state. Um, but I, you know, would encourage as many folks as possible to, uh, from industry and legislators to attend Nickel G's. And again, I appreciate this opportunity, Martin.
The pleasure was entirely mine. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. First of all, see you all at Nickelcheese. And this has been one of the leading US legislators when it comes to gambling, manufacturing, and few other themes and areas. Senator John Ford, so thank you very much again. My name is Martin Lechka, and this has been the latest episode of my Save Bet Show. See you next time.